Hello, welcome again to another podcast of Living in the 80s. I am Rob, your host, and I've got a returning co-host today. Yep. Third time's a charm. Uh, Jason Peitzmeyer is here, and we're talking all about Weird Al today. Hey there, everybody. And, uh, yeah, definitely Weird Al, something that uh, I could definitely relate to at that time of my life. So you're Weird Jason? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. It was... I, w- I was the kind of nerd who glorified Weird Al. Nice. We are going to be um, talking everything Weird Al later. We'll go through our normal stuff first. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you all for listening. This is episode 17. Uh, we made it this far. That's impressive. <laughs> it's impressive. It's surprising. Yeah. What did, what did you say a couple of podcasts ago that uh, it only goes to six? Yeah, usually? that's the average. People burn out and fade away. So hmm. here we are at 17. We've burned out three times. Almost. <laughs> Next week will be our third time burnout. <laughs> so, a uh, little housekeeping before we get started. Uh, be sure to check out our webpage, livinginthe80s.us, if you're really bored. Um, I wanted to thank uh, Travis, also known as Flounder, uh, from Star1079, who broadcasts this show every week, every Saturday morning, and we get a oh, thousand-ish listeners very nice surprises me but um, there could be people that have no time on their hands and they're listening to us so thank you all of you loyal faithful listeners out there um every once in a while i'll go over this list here and it expanded a little bit so these are the countries that people are listening to our podcast on of course most people are listening from the united states but check this out we have listeners from mexico Canada, <laughs> Canada, hey, Australia, good day, <laughs> the United Kingdom, Roy, <laughs> Ireland, yeah, uh, Lucky Charms. I don't know, <laughs> I can't do Irish. The Netherlands, yeah, that's uh, okay. France, France, we oui, we, oui. French bread, <laughs> French fries, um, Japan, nah, not going there. <laughs> Nigeria, yep, Germany, Yavul. Uh, Brazil. Ouch. And Romania. 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 That's impressive. It is. I'm just, I am just. I am always stunned and surprised at people that listen to yeah, the podcast. I, I, re- I remember back, way back in your infancy when you were excited you had a Canadian lister, listener and you were, you know, sc- screaming like the little girl that you were international. And uh, now look at you. Now we really are international. We're on... You're multinational. Yeah, we are on like lots of continents. So that again, thank you guys for listening and uh, making this part of what you do. So there are several regular listeners on here that tune in every week. So thank you, and John Noss. I hope you're enjoying your yard work. Uh, just thinking about you today because you know I 
he told me he does listen to this while he's doing yard work every week. That's and he funny. won't do the yard work until the podcast is loaded. Nice. So for Kendra, maybe like I could do you a favor, John, and like not post it to like Sunday or Monday. Get you out of some work. <laughs> so maybe we'll do that. All right. So that's that's us getting started. Uh, as always, we're going to open up with our back in time segment. So right now, me and Jason are going to go back in time. This week, we are going to go back to 1980, starting the decade over again. We went through 80, through 89 before. We're going to start over again because the music changes, the movies change, the TV shows, yeah, they're kind of the same. Yeah. So, we're first of all, let's uh, we're going to talk about sports, your favorite topic. Okay. I'm you gonna, excited? I'm going to check out for a few minutes. <laughs> all right. So, do you know who the Super Bowl champs were in 1980? Dallas Cowboys. No. Oakland Raiders. Okay. They're now moving to Las Vegas this year. That's weird. That's really weird. The the NFL had a co-MVP that year. It was Ron Jaworski and Cleveland Browns' own Brian Sipe. So you Brownie fans have got one thing to celebrate in the last 40 years. Congratulations. You, you had an MVP. Congratulations. Uh, the college football national champions were the Georgia Bulldogs. Heisman Trophy went to George Rogers out of South Carolina. And that's pretty much the most interesting things. Oh, yeah, basketball. The Lakers were the champs, defeating the Philadelphia 76ers. I was a big Dr. J fan back then, Julius Irving for the Sixers, so I do remember that. Uh, The World Series champs were the Philadelphia Phillies. They beat the Kansas City Royals in the I-70 bash there. And the MVP was Mike Schmidt that year okay. of the Phillies. So I know that's exciting news for you. Well, about the only piece of input that I can put on that is that um, he read it on the Internet, so it's true. <laughs> that, that is true. <laughs> that's... Which is funny because if quizzed, I could probably get about half of those right. Hmm. Uh, the Super Bowl I would have remembered. Uh, I do not remember Brian Seip being the MVP or no. Ron Jaworski. I would have guessed... Who would I have guessed that year? I would have guessed Marcus Allen, but sure, I, apparently that that's not who won it. Yeah, if if I was quizzed, I don't even think I could tell you the mascots for those teams. So, <laughs> I'm sure you could. Possible. Well, yeah. There's... Okay, let, let's quiz you. We're, I'll, okay. I'll give you five NFL teams. I'll give you the cities. You give me the the uh, mascot. Okay. okay, Pittsburgh Penguins. <sighs> Man. <laughs> I mean, we ain't going there, man. Oh, 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 you we're said done. football. Football, it's the Steelers. Sorry. <laughs> I thought you were just mailing it in. Okay. Uh, let's see. Try not to get too hard. San Francisco. 49ers. Very good. Los Angeles. Lake, no, that's basketball. Um, Rams. Yes. See, you got it. See, you're, you're a bigger sports fan than you thought you were. <laughs> All right, so that, that's three. I got to give you two more. Cincinnati. Reds, Bengals. <laughs> yes, and uh, we'll say Washington. True. 
Washington? Oh, Redskins. Yes. Are they still the Redskins? Is they that are, still they are PC? Still. I, I think they, they get every year somebody's fighting them to change a name they never have. But um, hmm. so when we do our episode in the fall on, on football, Jason will not be partaking I, in that particular episode. I will I will be conspicuously absent during that episode. <laughs> so while we're well, well we'll talk about that in a little bit i got another topic to touch on so now we'll go back to like the the normal things that jason could probably contribute a whole lot more to <laughs> let's hope so we're gonna go through the top three tv shows this week in 1980 so the number three show alice do you remember watching alice maybe yes. reruns or anything okay yep yeah i i wasn't a fan Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I do, I do remember it. I remember the song. Um, and, uh, I remember Mo, the grill cook. And I remember, uh, Flo, was Flo. it? With the kiss my grits. Yep. Yep. That was a very classic line. Um, that's really all I, I remember. So it wasn't Mo, it was Mel. Mel. But okay. you had the M right. <laughs> so very good. Very good. <laughs> so. Well, when you, when you consider now, let's, let's talk about age. I was six years old in 1980, so... You know, like daytime comedies and stuff wasn't really on my radar. It was like Probably not. Dukes of Hazard, Incredible Hulk, you know, the cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Not the, watching a movie fun. about or a TV show about a single mom working in a diner. I think it's either in New Mexico or Arizona. Yeah, it was or like out west somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, my mom watched <laughs> it. Um, I don't remember it being terrible. Hmm. So, obviously, it was good enough to be number three. It was, uh, which brings us to number two. Dallas, which you can tell we're getting back in the early part of the decade again because yeah. Dallas is up there in the TV <clears throat> ratings. So Dallas, if you've lived under a rock, maybe you're not from the U.S. because we, <laughs> you know, we all, I, everything I I talk about is a perspective of the only place I've ever lived in the United States. I drop a lot of Columbus, Ohio references on here because that's where I'm from and I've lived in and around this area my whole life. So. Um, Dallas was a nighttime drama uh, modeled after more of a high-budget soap opera. Mm-hmm. And uh, the main bad guy was Larry <clears throat> Hagman playing J.R. Ewing. Uh, the whole family uh, was oil barons, mm-hmm. so they very wealthy and rich. And so when you're wealthy and rich, there's lots of drama and murder. and huh. and Murder was a huge theme. It was a huge theme. A couple of because then I mean, there was obviously it didn't Bobby shot, get murdered and he came back JR, but then like then Bobby did it was like the very first you know uh, stick it to you ending where it turns out that it was all a dream yeah you know the entire season was what didn't happen yeah well, I think there's like a writer's strike or something like that well I think I, it was people were outraged that Bobby had gotten kicked off because yeah. he was really and he really shows popular. back up in the shower yeah he's in the shower like, and he's like oh well, you're awake now you must have been a dream you know like, come <laughs> on yeah so Dallas. A lot of fans. Another show my mom watched. It was on after uh, Dukes of Hazard. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was a Hulk, Dukes of Hazard, and then um, Dallas. Yeah. So she watched it. I I liked the beginning because they sh- they did like an aerial shot of of Texas Stadium, which mm-hmm. had the big hole in the roof, and uh, just seeing that on there's like, ooh, there's a football stadium. <laughs> Even now, like I'm a little kid, like if I'm going through a a town that has you know, a college or pro sports team. I'll, first of all, I'll try to go to the sporting event, which I don't always make it to. 
but I do like driving by the stadiums and just kind of seeing things that you typically see on TV. So that excited me as a yeah. I would have been uh, thirteen, almost fourteen years old this time in nineteen eighty. So nice. I remember uh, my wife and I went to Chicago and uh, we were down by the Navy Pier and we just decided to go for a walk and we happened upon that fountain from Married with Children. Oh, yeah. Was I've like, been there. Yeah. It was like the highlight of my entire trip, you know. <laughs> I think uh, I've been to Chicago several times, and I think I've only been to that thing two or three times, but every time it's always the highlight. Mm-hmm. Like, hey. <laughs> you you kind of wait for it to start, and then you just sing Love and Marriage in your head. <laughs> How many people do that, you think? Oh, it's got it in tons. It's got to be tons. The locals probably just roll their eyes maybe, like maybe, Robert Downey Jr. Maybe not point. so much anymore because that show's kind of you know gone the way of the dodo. I mean, it's not a lot of people, you know, it's, it's a generation behind now, you know, as yeah. far as awareness, you yeah. know. Which, but, uh, which means, if it's anything like, you know, the... People Not, looking at 80s nostalgically. Uh, well, Married with Children, I think, did come out in the latter part of the 80s. But in the 90s, I think, is when it was peaking. Yeah. Um, I think maybe it's got a revived life coming here pretty soon. Pretty Especially pretty now soon. that Ed O'Neill is uh, done with Modern Family. Right. So maybe uh, we'll see Yeah. See some Bundy action there. I would love to. That was a great show. Yeah. Talking about uh, Dallas, though, um, I, I, being a kid, again, I wasn't very into the... Uh, you know the the prime time soap opera scene, but mm-hmm. um, I actually preferred Falcon Crest over Dallas. Really? Yeah, and it wasn't actually until later that I found out that Falcon Crest was done by Earl Hamner, same guy who did the Waltons. But, no uh, kidding. And which, we, as we found out on our last podcast, you're a big fan of the Waltons. I, I am. I am a, a bit of a fan. My my parents are bigger fans. Uh, they are actually some of the founding members of the International Waltons Fan Club that has been going for 25 years. So wow. Yeah. Nice. It's See, guys, when I go find nerds, I find them. (laughs) Certified. (laughs) That is a term of endearment, by the way. Thank you. you. Not a slam. All right. I wear it with pride. Good good man, good man. So the number one TV show um, this week in 1980 was The Jeffersons. Wow. That's actually kind of surprising to be number one. Yeah, you kind of think of that more as a 70s show. Mm -hmm. I do. Uh, Spinoff of... All in the Family, uh, Irreverent, uh, very entertaining, like Me TV or one of those. We'll show reruns of the Jeffersons, Good Time, All in the Family, all those. Mm-hmm. And I, I find myself tuning in when they're on. And it's so funny because you see the attitude of the times from back then. So, again, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, uh, the <laughs> Jeffersons was a, it's a sitcom. Uh, Sherman Helmsley played George Jefferson, and Isabel Sanford played his wife, Louise, or wow. Wheezy. Look at you dropping names. <sighs> you know, and I'm not even looking that up. I just remember stuff. <laughs> I couldn't tell you any of the other characters' names on there, but those two, mm-hmm. I got. And I do know that that the housekeeper, um, Florence, was married to Sherman Helmsley in real life. So they oh. were real-life husband and wife. So think about that. that next time they're slamming each other think about it as a husband and wife nice i wonder if they ever got any fights about that oh they maybe could have so so it was a spinoff of all in the family the jeffersons were neighbors of archie and edith bunker um george jefferson owned a dry cleaning shop and ended up becoming a chain so he made more money so he moved to the east side. He moved on up. To, he moved on up to the east side to a high-rise apartment. To a deluxe apartment. In the sky. In the sky. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and so now he's he's wealthy and affluent, but he's still the same guy. 
Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the money hasn't gone to his head. He now has a housekeeper. He He's too cheap to want to have one, but he ends up needing one. Uh, he's got neighbors down the hall that are biracial. So there are tons of jokes, you know, about that relationship. And George is usually the one dishing it out, and not many of the characters on there dish it back. Mm-hmm. So when you think about trying to do a show like The Jeffersons today, for one, I think we need some shows like that where we can have fun again. Yeah. Uh, and not to take too serious of a tone on the, the show here, but uh, it is, we're recording this on June 4th. I'll be, you know, putting it up for public consumption on June 6th. But uh, over the past week, um, we have had uh, across the whole country and many parts of the world, um, a very uh, civil unrest We've had riots and looting and just people being beaten and killed. Um, And most of it is Mm race-related, and it's very, very sad. Now, with that, there's some good that's come out of that. There's been some good conversations. There have been some people uh, that are having some open and honest dialogue. Uh, I can tell you... This week, uh, I go to Covenant Church in Grove City, Ohio, and I encourage you guys, go to our website or Facebook page. There was a very good conversation this on our midweek podcast, um, which isn't an actual podcast. You can hear it on Facebook or YouTube. It's not like on Apple Music or any of those other things, but um, go look that up. It's a very, very good conversation from a Christian perspective as far as what is going on. So part of all of this bad stuff going on is some dialogue is being made. And, you know, as a white guy in America living in the suburbs, you you see things a certain way. Uh, You don't see things through the lens of people that have suffered and have been maybe held back some. uh, And a lot of it's race-related. Now... Our initial thought, and man, I didn't even plan on having this conversation today. Yeah, but you know, got kind of deep. Yeah, we're rolling. Um, my whole thought process is, well, you know what? These people had the same opportunities I did. You know, we all public schools, chance to go to college, whatever, whatever. You don't think about the people in authority, the people um, that, uh, for lack of a better term, kind of held back. Uh, growth from a lot of people who had to work a whole lot harder to get ahead in life and sometimes so many obstacles uh, uh, facing them that it just made it impossible so so now we're, we're starting to get some more dialogue in this country and, and quite honestly I do like that part of what has happened mm-hmm. um, it is is opening my eyes more to the perils of other people um, I've always you know I've always loved all colors, nationalities, sexual preference. Like, I've got so many friends uh, from all walks of life and culture and um, nationalities all over the place. And being in in that kind of, having those kind of conversations is opening my eyes even more to the plight of people that, that don't look like me or sound like me or came from where I came from. So, you know, um, I, again, I... I stressed episode one I don't I, I, I try not to be preachy on here even though I am a Christian but I do kind of see God moving and working 
in a lot of what's going on. So yeah. uh, he can make anything good out of anything bad. And anytime that you have a situation where, you know, a majority of people have their eyes open and awareness uh, where they get that V8 moment where it was like, you know, oh, wow, I, I never thought about that or I never realized or whatever. And it just puts it into a different perspective and it changes mindsets, you know. And I think that's, uh, I think that's that's important. That's good for growth as a country, and as a nation, and as a people. So agreed, agreed. So speaking of the Jeffersons, <laughs> yeah, you like how I reeled that back, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, it was. It's it's magic. It's just skills. Um, Trained professional. That's right. So with the Jeffersons, uh, again, irreverent. Uh, it was back in a time. Uh, during some racial tensions in America when this this show first came out and it, it allowed us to look at George and even you know Archie Bunker and all in the family and look at these guys and kind of laugh at just kind of their backward way of looking at life and stuff and uh, it, it, you kind of miss those days um, where yeah. now it, it's different different world we live in now I think the closest that you could get is to a modern day comparison of the jeffersons would be that show blackish mm-hmm. you've ever watched that i've watched it some yeah. yeah yeah i've watched a few episodes of that and uh i enjoyed it and i, I think it would be kind of a us familiar jeffersonish um i could see that a little bit type, you know not as outrageous yeah but yeah not yeah. exactly the same scenario but it's definitely a a, a wealthy african-american family and dealing with you know the culture of you know of america yeah you know from that perspective, so. So that was the number one show this week, nineteen eighty, The Jeffersons. Wow, that's, wow. that's it, crazy. And you know what? You've got my word. The rest of this episode, we're not going to bring any of this stuff up. <laughs> Get out of our system now. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to go to movies, and here's one you may or may not have heard of this movie before, but the number three movie this week in nineteen eighty was The Empire Strikes Back. Hmm. hmm. I, I know. Nerds nationwide That's, are not familiar with this movie. I, I think I think but I, I have, think I think you've done some studying. I may have heard of it. Okay, I think I've heard of it. That was that was the Empire Strikes Back. Wasn't that about like the the rise of China in the eighteen hundreds? I think it's about cowboys and Indians. Cowboys and okay, yeah, okay. I was thinking sure. of a different movie. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, cowboys and Native Americans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So you um, know, yeah. Jason, I oh. know for a fact is a huge Star Wars fan. Huge. And Star Wars uh, fan. so it's funny. Uh, well, when, okay. I, I I was a Star Wars fan until uh, the Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. I, I was okay with um, the 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 Force Arises, you know, mm-hmm. whichever with the new prequels or the yeah. new sequels. I was okay with that one. The Force Awakens, I was okay with that one. Uh, and then the Last Jedi just basically drove a stake into my heart and killed me. And um, <laughs> I, I I say this with. An, an, an amazing amount of shame is that I actually went and saw the last one, um, which I can't even remember the name of it. I've blocked it out. I, I literally fell asleep in the theater watching it. It was The Rise of Skywalker. Yes, Rise yeah. of Skywalker, yeah. And I, I literally fell asleep watching it, which is a, an abhorrent idea uh, for a <laughs> Star Wars movie. But yes, as far as uh, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, diehard fan, I actually enjoyed the prequels. Um, I enjoy the prequels more because of the sequels because I think the sequels make the prequels better. I do too. Yeah. I do too. And, and it's funny because 
being a a kid in the seventies, like I remember when Star Wars, you know, the, the first episode when it came out, mm-hmm. it was, again very little reception, box office, whatever, and then it grew and grew and grew to what it has become. And unlike you, I I enjoyed the latter movies, the last few. Um, not not like I did the originals. You know, uh, I'm in the same camp with you. I love the prequels, even though some people slam them. Mm-hmm. I love them, and I'm gl- glad in hindsight they made the, the Star Wars Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi first, because then you go back and see like where these characters came from, how they evolved to this moment, and then beyond. Go on from there, yeah. But I remember seeing the Empire Strikes Back in the movie theater, and... Um, I loved it. Um, now, again, because th- they kind of run together, the first three, or episodes four, five, and six, kind of run together for me at some points. What? I know, I know. I'm a bad Star Wars fan. <laughs> huh. um, so, is this the one where we discover that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. Yes. Okay. I couldn't remember if it was that or Return of the Jedi. Yes. But uh, that was that was mind-blowing for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? That's what? Yep. So, yep. And uh, and actually, they, uh, the reason why they had that scene where they brought Yoda back, uh, mm-hmm. Yoda wasn't going to be in Return of the Jedi. Okay. And they brought him back into the Return of the Jedi because... Child count psychologists were telling Lucasfilm that kids aren't going to believe that Darth Vader is his father. Mm-hmm. They're not going to buy it. And so they had to bring Yoda back and have his death scene where he actually tells him, yes, he is your father, to actually sink in the fact that, you know, it's <laughs> that, true. Yeah. You know, that, he wasn't lying. That's interesting. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. So that was that was the only reason Yoda came back. Wow. Yep. That is that is very good, and, very good, interesting. And the reason why Han Solo got frozen in carbonite was because Harrison Ford wanted Han Solo to die in Empire Strikes Back, mm-hmm. and they were like, "No, you're too popular." And he goes, "No, my character's hit his arc. He needs to just go out." All right, we'll just freeze you then. Yeah. So <laughs> they they basically froze him and said, "If we do another movie, we'll you know unfreeze you if we decide to unfreeze you or whatever." So that was that was that's why Harrison Ford got frozen in carbonite. So so Harrison Ford's going, my character's hit his arc, <laughs> so they freeze him, and then comes back and goes, "You're going to pay me how much?" Yeah, pretty much. All right, yeah. unfreeze me. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's kind of like the same negotiations for uh, uh, Indiana Jones and the uh, Crystal Skull. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. So yeah, number three movie this week, Empire Strikes Back. Uh, can't talk about this enough. We could probably do entire episodes on Star Wars and all that that is. I, I will be there for that one. Well, yeah, I probably won't. <laughs> so, so uh, but if I ever did, I would certainly have you back for that oh, thank one. You. Thank sure. you. Sure. Uh, the number two movie this week in 1980 was Brubaker. Uh, Robert Redford. Have you seen this movie? No. Okay. I you, know. I know of it. I do too. It's funny. I have not seen it either. Uh, I remember it used to be on. The movie channel, which was sort of like Showtime, HBO, back in the, you know, back in the eighties, and it was always on, but I never watched it. Uh, in recent years, I've, you know, I've seen it come up on different lists and things like that, thinking, yeah, I, I gotta kind of gotta see that, and uh, it came up again today. So probably within the next week, I will end up watching this movie. 
it's summer, reruns are on. Mm-hmm. I started watching this stupid Adam Sandler movie on Netflix. I made it about five minutes Uncut in. Uncut Gems? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Terrible. That was a painful movie to watch. And you know what? It's funny because I'm an Adam Sandler fan of his older work mm-hmm. and his SNL stuff and you know his stand-up and all that. But this is just like, I, 10 minutes maybe? I'm like, this is not getting any better. Yeah. I gave up. Yeah, out. My, so Brubaker is going to be high on my list for things that, to watch now. You've got goals. You've got yeah, goals. I do yeah. have goals. I uh, I did I did read the synopsis because I, I kind of knew of the movie and I wanted right. to read the synopsis so I could sound somewhat intelligent about it. But basically, uh, Robert Redford is the new warden, incoming warden for a very corrupt prison. Mm-hmm. And he decides to go undercover as an inmate to try to figure out from the inside where all the issues lie. Okay. And that's pretty much all that I got from it. Oh, that's cool because, like, again, my thought process, I knew he was a warden, but I didn't realize he was in there undercover. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Huh? Yeah. yeah, I've got even more incentive to watch it's, that movie it's the, now. Uh, the, the, the first un- undercover boss episode, essentially. <laughs> that's where they got their inspiration. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the number one movie this week in 1980 was Blues Brothers. Mm. I know you've seen Blues Brothers. Mm. No. What? Yeah, Jason. I I have your seen... sense of humor, dude. You have to watch this at some point. <laughs> I I have seen a lot of snippets, and I know a lot of it. Uh-huh. I know that it's a classic. I've never really been a fan of John Belushi. I love Dan Aykroyd, mm-hmm. um, but uh, never been a big Belushi fan. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I that I I know of it. I, okay, you know I, we're on a mission from God. I mean, yes. you know, and the drive the car. You know, and the elevator music and, you know, that big scene there. And, like, there was, like, 100-something police cars were destroyed. destroyed They weren't in the days of CGI. They were in the days of, let's wreck up these police cars. Yeah. So. So, uh, Blues Brothers, Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, uh, they got this, these characters came from their Saturday Night Live appearance. They weren't in a comedy skit, but they had them sing. Was that... Was that the first Saturday Night Live movie to become or skit to become a movie? Yes, it was. Okay, yes. so uh, they they were singing, and surprisingly, they both sing pretty good. Um, Dan Aykroyd has that that bassy voice that you hear, so man. Yeah. So that's him. Um, they they sung a couple songs on SNL. Went over great. They decided let's make a movie, and basically, it's those same characters. Jake and Elwood Blues. They are brothers. Lots of cameos in this movie, including, mm-hmm. but not, you know, I'm, I can't name them all right now, but James Brown's in it. Aretha Franklin's in it. There are a lot. I think B.B. King is in it. So there's lots of people in and out of this movie. And uh, it's one of those 80s comedies. Uh, so if you like The Jerk, if you like Airplane, those kind of movies, Blues Brothers, be right up your alley. So. You know, if you get a chance, check it out. The soundtrack is really, really good. Um, one of my uh, one of my go tos back in the day. Let's watch Blues Brothers again. <laughs> so that's it. So those nice. are the movies from this week in 1980. And now uh, the only thing left to talk about in 1980 is the music. So we are going to start off uh, with the music and the number three song this week in 1980. <laughs>
The number three song uh, this week in 1980 was Biggest Part of Me by Ambrosia. (sighs) It's a very gentle song, isn't it? Listen to the dulcet tones of Ambrosia. Uh, Very, very couple skate. Oh, man, it's like an NPR song. Yeah. I'm guessing this was played at proms back in 1980. Probably. Um, I know Jim Lawler is a huge Ambrosia fan. I heard that. So if you haven't heard our Yacht Rock episode, you should check it out. Because we do we talk about Ambrosia and such. Yeah. But I remember the song being a huge hit back then. I don't remember it being up to number three, but hmm. according to Billboard magazine, the authority of all that is music charts, yeah. that was the number three song. So uh, biggest part of me, Ambrosia. So the, I what? actually, uh, the, the band name Ambrosia just kills me. It's like you know? mixed fruit. Right, because you know I, I'm a fat kid, so I grew ambrosia was a dessert, you know, and uh, so then I was like, why would they name themselves after a dessert? I mean, it's you know, well, who's next? Of, of, like of all the cool names to name your band, yeah. Wait, who's next? Butter pecan. I mean, you know, it's... <laughs> oh, it's great. So uh, again, not a horrible song to me. Uh, I grew up hearing this song. Um, it's just it is a you could really tell the the shift hadn't happened in the 80s yet right you're getting some leftover 70s sounds and it kind of carried that way on till about 1981 or so i, I think when mtv 81. came along yeah you you then <clears throat> even still the beginning of mtv wasn't hugely popular but you're you were starting to see a sh- sort of a shift in the music and came into its own yeah a new wave punk were kind of making their forcing their way into yeah. stuff and and some of the rock bands were were you know changing their styles a little bit so things were changing but as of this week in 1980 <laughs> they weren't changing ambrosia was number three yeah so when you when we talk about the ambrosia song i mean i i heard it because my mom liked it you know being six years old in 1980 um it's it's really weird i know i got chastised by you on one of your episodes because i had said that I wasn't a fan of 80s music. And it's not so much that I wasn't a fan. I am a fan of 80s music. I do enjoy 80s music. But I didn't grow up with 80s music because I think as a kid, you don't really get into your own when it comes to music tastes until mm-hmm. you hit your teenage years. 14, yeah, probably 15. 14, 15, yeah. Yeah, 16 especially, you get your own car. Now you're listening to your own radio. Until then, you're listening to whatever your parents listen to. Right. You know, and, you know, whatever they happen to be listening to. So, you know, as far as from, you know, 1980 to 1986, 87, it was my parents' music. So what you're saying is is Mama and Papa Peitzmeier had crappy taste in music in the 80s. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, Yeah, my dad dad was classic country. He was, you know, Conway Twitty, George Jones, Statler Brothers. He liked the Beach Boys, so that was a saving grace. Yeah. Um, But, uh, you know, and uh, Bob Dylan. Wow. Yeah. I could see Bob Dylan, the whole country thing. Well, He's got that... Uh... Well, Dad liked Bob Dylan because my dad can't sing, so he... Bob oh, Dylan yeah. Was the I only, can't either. Bob Dylan was the only guy that my dad could sing that actually he could sound like Bob Dylan. No. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, and then my mom, you know, she, you know, every... She would listen to, like, I think it was Sunny 95 at the time, so mm-hmm. it was the... Ambrosia. Ambrosia, <laughs> yacht rock music, and she also had, like, a... Uh, a couple of Earth, Wind, and Fire records that she would play every Saturday when she cleaned the house. So I mean, that was that was my musical world, you know, until gotcha. I was able to come into my own and start developing my own taste. But then 
by then it was late 80s and like 90s is when it really took off for music for me but i do have an appreciation and fondness for 80s music and it does bring back memories but just don't have that that same memory tie you know like someone you know more senior like yourself like me. Would yeah have. I'm, yeah. I'm a senior yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i i know for me um you know speaking of the same thing i remember like i've, I've probably talked about on here before my parents listening to uh 50s and 60s pop songs and then 60s and 70s country and that's what i grew up on so i didn't I didn't discover a lot of these like classic rock type bands until like the mid eighties. Cause I had to go through the, that pop thing in the eighties when I'm starting to get into my own in music. And then to the mid to the late eighties, I'm discovering for the first time bands like Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. uh, Aerosmith, these kind of bands. I'm like, that's good music too. <laughs> I was sheltered from that as a kid. So, yeah. you know, that was, that was it. But, um, there we go. Ambrosia. Got it. Love it. The number two song this week in 1980 was Coming Up by Paul McCartney. So if you're looking for this song on YouTube or Apple or wherever it is, Spotify, whatever you listen to music on, you may find a really crappy version of this song. It's terrible. Yeah. The hit version was a live version um, that was played on the radio that put it, I believe it went all the way to number one. But I remember Paul McCartney being on Saturday Night Live and debuting the video to this song, which is unusual. And they're making such a big deal about him being on there. Like, like I'd heard the studio version of the song before, never this crappy single version they had. And I was really curious as to why they're making such a big deal about this guy. Like, okay, mm-hmm. Paul McCartney was not ringing any bells. I was not, did not realize that he was a Beatle. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm 13 years old, going on 14, and I bought the single because I loved the song. Did not realize he was a Beatle. It took me a long time to figure out why they're making such a big deal about him. Uh, probably a few months later, I think a couple other songs came out off that album. And it's probably about that time I discovered why it was such a big deal to have him on there. Mm-hmm. And love this song, always have. That studio version, that thing would not have hit the top 100, in my opinion, <laughs> except for the fact that it was Paul McCartney, and people will buy stuff based on reputation and so forth. Yeah. But we were talking, and Jason said, uh, we're talking about the top three songs. Again, he was a kid, a yeah. young kid back never, in those days. Never heard this song, never heard of it. I had to look it up. Um, you know, Rob gave me a little bit of a heads up and said, you know, these are the songs if you want to add some input. And it was a good thing he did because I'd never even heard of this song before. And I looked it up on YouTube, and I didn't get to see the live, you know, 
cool version. I saw the the dumb video that he did, <laughs> which I think was actually kind of appropriate. The fact that we're talking about Weird Al Yankovic this this week and uh, um, his video, he actually played all of the band members. There's mm-hmm. like like 15 people in this band doing this, you know, playing the music for the song, from the drummer to everything. And he's actually dressed up like different people playing them. So he yes. was like a parody of his own video, yeah. which is very Weird Al Yankovic-ish, if that's even a word. It is um, now. It is now. It is canonized. Um, but uh, I, the, I... The video wasn't bad. The video was still... It was better than the song. It looked like a 70s video. Uh-huh. It, again, 80s hadn't come into their own yet. Um, but I, I wasn't like... I don't know if it was the cut or whatever, but it just I wasn't a fan of the song. It actually... Uh, reminded me of um, Give It Up by uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band. Uh, kind of a similar sound to it. Yeah. Um, more yeah, of a, a disco y sound. Yeah. I, but yeah. I had I had never, I didn't even know this song existed. Yeah. Let alone for it to be number two. That was actually pretty impressive. But Yeah. So I, in the break, I played a little bit of the, the hit version that, that we all know. And he's like, Okay, well, that's not nearly as bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, it wasn't as bad. Yeah, but uh, so that was it. Uh, Paul McCartney, little-known artist out of England. Now, just to show my my musical ignorance, I know was this like one of the, like Paul McCartney's comeback? Was it like his first? No, because no. I know he did some other song. Was it with Wings or right. something? Yes, he he yeah. when when the Beatles disbanded almost immediately, Paul McCartney put a band together. It was Paul McCartney and Wings. His wife, Linda, who was in the coming up video, mm-hmm. was in his band, Wings. And she played keyboard and sung background. And kind of really, you know, she complimented his sound a lot. Like, she she did not have a very good singing voice on her own. In fact, uh, one of the radio stations locally here, QFM 96, used to um, play a part of one of the uh, a live... It was a live song that Paul McCartney had done. I want to say it was Band on the Run. And they isolated her vocals. And she sounds like a dog howling. <laughs> but in the studio <laughs> with uh, Paul and just putting her up at the right level to mm-hmm. harmonize with him on choruses, sounded really good. Yeah. So they, again, they can do magic with a mixed board. They sure you. can. <laughs> but, but you know, she, she was good in her own right. Um, you know, she... She was his wife until she passed away uh, with mm-hmm. from cancer. I, I want to guess probably. Uh, I'm sure fact checkers out there may look, but I'm I'm Brandy. in my mind is probably early to mid '90s when she passed away. Nice, but uh, so yeah, that was that was it. And uh, I, ironically, in that video that I saw, uh, she was the only character in his band that he didn't copy. It was yeah. actually her. He knew better. Yeah, he's smart. Yeah. So yeah, the number two song was "Coming Up" by Paul McCartney. And the number one song this week in 1980 was Funky Town by Lips, Inc. Oh, jeez. Do you not like the song, Jason? Uh, this, 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 song, this song was the, the last nail in a coffin for disco, I think. 
And it was... It was one of the last nails. Yeah. Disco kind of held on for probably another year or so after this. But um, I, it, it was an okay song. Um, I, I didn't really hit on all cylinders for me, but, you know, I, I do know what I do recognize it. I think it was just a little too simplistic. Yeah. It was just like the same five notes over and over again. Yeah. When when this came out, I again, I'm in the eighth grade. This is the end of the school year. I remember kids dancing to the song at the school dance because, you know, we're in June. So the, you know, the end of the school year, end of eighth grade is now for me. This could have, you know, June 4th. This may have been my last day of school in the eighth grade. But I remember the song very well. And I love the song. I love how they used the synthesizer on the voices and kind of made a little funkier sound. Yeah. Like, you're right. Like, disco was pretty much dead at this point, but a version of disco kind of lived on. Like, Diana Ross had some stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm coming out. Uh, uh, that kind of thing. It kind of held on for another year or so after this. But this song here, I loved it. I remember buying the 45 to this the same day I bought Love Stinks by Jay Giles Band. Oh, wow. Bought them together. I nice. was, I was, you know, I love both those songs. Yeah. Um, I, I noticed uh, you sent me the link. Um, Love Stinks was in the top 100 this week. Was it? Yeah, yep. I, yes, uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. And um, another, now see, another, what was classified as disco was uh, Cupid by the Spinners. Oh, yeah. I like they, that song, too. That came too. out in this year. But I like it because I'm a big fan of Motown. Oh, yeah. And so I thought it, it had a, like a nice, upbeat Motown vibe to it. And so I, I really like that song. I did too. But they classified it as disco. Hmm. So. Crazy. Yeah. I, uh, again, this is one of those, Lip Sync was a, pretty much a studio band. Uh, producer in Minneapolis, uh, put this band together, auditioned vocalists, used a lot of session musicians, so that's why you got kind of like that real funky, very polished musical sound to it. Um, again, repetitive Mm-hmm. The whole thing, you know, it's formulaic, right? But they created a hit, one time only. They had another song, went to number sixty-four, I believe. I was looking up. I knew they'd had another song, but it was not nearly a hit. Hmm. So that was uh, that was you know number one this week. Um, there were some other songs which I, I like to do because there's some songs that maybe weren't top ten or didn't quite get that kind of airplay or were on their way up so uh the number seven song this week i really like still to this day i don't turn off when it comes on is against the wind by bob seeger and the silver bullet band for one i love bob seeger mm-hmm. i don't think i've heard a song by him that i don't like he always tells good stories in his music and this is the first bob seeger song i think if my memory serves me correctly that i even heard Huh. And uh, I, I was turned on to it by some friends, and and it did not expect it to be the hit it became, and it became a pretty big hit. Mm-hmm. So I I really you know love that a, one. a yacht rock hit. It it is very yachty, very yachty. <laughs> but he, uh, Bob Seger was man. I saw him live a few years ago, and guy put on a tremendous concert, tremendous again. At this point, he's you know in his sixties. Mm-hmm. You know when I'd seen him, and uh, his voice sounded just as good as it did back in those days. Uh, he would stop and tell stories between songs. Lots of energy, just kept right on playing. And I, I went because someone invited me 
I'd never really cared to see Bob Seger live, even though I like all of his music. I, you know, just the idea of seeing a 60-year-old Bob Seger playing music was not, did not seem very exciting to me. But I was corrected quickly, <laughs> and that was a great show. So nice. Uh, I, I enjoyed that one. Yeah, it's always it's always fun when, you know, situations like that. Like for me. Um, it would be the Waltons. You know, I, I watched the Waltons as a little kid. You know, I, I vaguely remembered it or whatever. But when I started getting involved with the fan club and meeting the characters and, and talking to the people and getting to know them, you know, then it was like, okay, wow, this actually, this actually is really cool. I didn't, I, I was never going to be a Waltons fan, you mm-hmm. know. But, you know, so kind of like with your Bob Seger, yeah, you know, I appreciated it. I knew it, but it wasn't until I saw him live that you got a real appreciation for him. So. Oh, yeah. And yes, we did manage to work in Bob Seger and the Waltons together. Yeah, they're, yeah. now they're forever intertwined. Yes, that's <laughs> that, that is a uh, that is it takes a lot of skill. It does, and we have skills. Nunchuck <laughs> uh, skill. The number fourteen song this week in nineteen eighty, another one of my favorite eighties tunes, was "Brass in Pocket" by the Pretenders, Ohio's own Pretenders. Jason's crossing his eyes and making a face. You don't oh. like this song? Uh, no. Leave. Okay. <laughs> no, you. That's, no, no. Wait, stay. I need you for the rest of the show. That's, that's <laughs> twice I've been kicked out of Rob's house for not liking any. Oh song. my goodness. Um, no, it's 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 okay. I just I I actually listened to it today just because I, I didn't know it was called Brass Change or whatever. Brass in pocket. Brass yes. in pocket. I didn't realize it was called that. And uh, so I was like, I've never heard this song. What is this? So I, I clicked on YouTube and looked it up and that song started and i just i immediately went like cross-eyed i was like okay yeah that's that song all right yeah i've got i've got my faithful listeners which average between the age of 45 and 54 right now are shaking their fist at the podcast physically going what is that guy's problem i was young get off my lawn i was young i was a kid i uh just like i said um this kind of music didn't really just just didn't really lasso me because I didn't have I wasn't exposed to it. Okay, so. FYI, when when we were in our in our break there, he was he was rapping to Biggie Smalls and Eminem. So <laughs> if that tells you what I'm dealing with today, <laughs> look, I'm I'm not going to say I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say that '90s hip hop and R&B is probably one of my favorite genres outside of Motown. So Motown, yeah. I will agree with you on yeah. '90s hip hop and R&B. No. Yeah, but then again, that that was my age. That's when my music, that was my lick. If I was your age back then, I would have listened to 80s music. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the last one I wanted to talk about here is the number 26 song this week in 1980. is Train in Vain by The Clash. Another song I have never heard in my life. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so I... I Go ahead. Yeah, so I uh, I listened to it, and uh, yeah, I listened to it. You didn't like it? it? It was okay. I was I was kind of excited because it said "Stand by Me," so I thought maybe it was from the soundtrack, and I would recognize it. Uh huh. But no, that was just kind of like a subtitle. No, that that was uh, that was a great song. Uh, the Clash are, in my mind, uh, one of those elite, untouchable bands like. These guys put on such great music over the course of about seven or eight years. They are one of the founders 
uh, Mount Rushmore type thing of punk. And this song here, just you know, from beginning to end, the opening guitar to the very end of the song, love, love, love this song. Shows up on several of my playlists today mm-hmm. that I make. Like, oh, you can't do an 80s one without putting The Clash on there somewhere. Nice. So, you know, again, generationally, my mm-hmm. my friends, people I hung out with, uh, you know, they'll go, yeah, Clash rocks. But uh, yeah. these young whippersnappers, well, you know, this, they, they don't understand. When it, when it comes to, to music like this, I mean, especially with the 80s, you sent me a link to the top 100 songs of the 1980s. Um, I, I could not honestly find one song outside of the spinners mm-hmm. that i actually liked and out of a hundred songs so it's, yeah. it's just 1980 was not a good year for music for me oh. so you're allowed so, to be wrong and it's this okay. is this 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 is like uh this was this is like randy nelson talking about about action about movies. action movies like i haven't seen yeah. it i haven't predator seen it. I haven't terminator seen it. uh you know what commando who is it, that in it? it was that a movie it's funny because <laughs> i think about and you can look them up on youtube but like when when younger people they'll put headphones on them and they'll like hear van halen for the very first time or acdc or something and i always always wait for the reaction and usually they're blown away Mm-hmm. So I would have thought, listening to The Clash, you would go, my mind, my life has changed. But not the case. <laughs> no, I'm He doesn't sorry. like football either, guys, so there's that. <laughs> I, have or, a, I have a very specific wheelhouse that yeah, I, I, I thrive in. I could see that that wheelhouse is very tiny. He's got a <laughs> tiny house of wheelhouses. <laughs> All right, so that wraps up our conversation about this week in 1980. And we're going to stop for a, uh, a little time out here. And when we come back, we're going to tackle Weird Al. Not literally tackle Weird Al. He's getting a little older. Yeah. But uh, we, will, we will talk about uh, Weird Al. My so, man. We'll be right back. Buddy, where's the spatula? Okay, kids. Let's go. There's just one place to go for all your spatula needs. Spatula City! Spatula City! A giant warehouse of spatulas for every occasion. Thousands to choose from in every shape, size, and color. And because we eliminate the middleman, we can sell all our spatulas factory direct to you. Where do you go when you want to buy name brand spatulas at a fraction of retail cost? Spatula City! Spatula City! And this weekend only, take advantage of our special liquidation sale. Buy nine spatulas, get the tenth one for just one penny. Don't forget, they make great Christmas presents. And what better way to say I love you than with the gift of a spatula? Spatula City! Spatula City! Hello, this is Cy Greenbloom, president of Spatula City. I like their spatulas so much, I bought the company. Spatula City, seven locations. We're in the yellow pages under spatulas. My, where did you get that lovely spatula? Okay, when I was looking for, I'm always looking for for interesting topics to talk about, and I don't think that this podcast could be complete as a as a body of work if we don't have an episode dedicated to Weird Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, he is the the king of parodies, 
Uh, he's had a career that has started in 1980 and has gone up until even today, still current. Uh, I even, uh, last season on the Goldbergs, even had an episode where Adam was all obsessed with Weird Al, kind of like we were back in the 80s, and uh, Weird Al even made an appearance on the show. So that that was really cool for me. So rewind back to... Uh, 1981, uh, I had stumbled onto the syndicated radio show they used to play on Sunday nights here in Columbus on QFM 96. I think it's the third reference I've made to that station this week, but uh, it was called Dr. Demento. So Dr. Demento uh, had this very cool grandfatherly voice. And he would introduce us to all kinds of parody songs, to obscure, weird, odd music every single week. He'd have a countdown of weird songs every week. Uh, it just when you were listening to the Doctor Demento show, you just really felt like you were sort of in a cool club. Like this guy got it. And being a being a, a fourteen year old kid at the time. I, my favorite movies back then were like Airplane, The Jerk, Blues Brothers. Like these nutty comedies were right in my wheelhouse. Like Mm -hmm. I loved it. And now I got this radio show that's playing music that made me laugh as hard as I did at these ridiculous movies. So I had been listening to the show for probably about a month or so, and I got to the point where I would start to record episodes on my tape recorder, and I'm holding the tape recorder up to the radio, because I didn't have anything to join them together, and so I would record these songs that would come on, and they would just crack me up. So one night, uh, I I remember right where I was, my friend uh, that lived across the street, Charlie Brobst, we were uh, camping out in his backyard. We were in a tent, and I'd got him hooked on Dr. Demento, too. So we're back there and recording the show, and uh, this weird, or, uh, Dr. Demento introduces me to Weird Al Yankovic for the very first time. And he was live on the air the first time he'd ever performed Another one rides the bus. And I, being a fan of the song Another One Bites the Dust by Queen, this song cracked me up. And I had that on a tape forever. Mm-hmm. And you, you couldn't buy, you couldn't just go out and buy the record back then because a recording at that point didn't exist of it. Like he's just on the radio. And so that was my very first exposure to Weird Al back then. And then over the years, he did the different parodies and stuff. And so whenever they would come out, I would just, I'd look forward to them. And it still made me laugh. It was always good. Even today, um, I think the most recent one I heard was White and Nerdy. Uh, <laughs> that was, that that would even crack me up with Donny Osmond and the video and stuff. But um, that's my beginnings of knowing who Weird Al was. So Jason, talk a little bit about... Like when you first discovered Weird Al and what your impressions were, and kind of, 
I don't want to say do what I did, but like, that's my story. What's yours? Um, well, mine was uh, obviously his, his first huge hit was um, "Eat It." Mm-hmm. You know the Michael Jackson "Beat It" parody song, and um, that was my first introduction to him. And I thought it was just absolute genius to be able uh, to to take the lyrics of that song and uh, and just make them funny, you know. Um, Beat It was a, was a weird song for me. My mom had the Thriller album, and so she would play it every once in a while, so I would get to listen to that. And um, it was on Thriller, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, I thought it was. Yep. Um, so I, I knew the song Beat It. I knew it pretty well. Um, actually, uh, you know, being, <clears throat> being a little kid, my vocabulary was still growing. And that one line that he says over and over, you know, show him how funky, strong is your fight. I, I didn't know what the word funky meant, and I thought he was cussing every time mm-hmm. he said it. So, um, but then, so that was that was my awareness of the song "Beat It." And then when "Eat It" came out, I thought it was hilarious because I thought it was how he um, he took that song and changed the words, but it still made it flow. He didn't like to, he didn't have to change. He changed how it, how it sounded he changed the words but he didn't have to add things he didn't have to like make words fit right you know he he just did it seamlessly it seems effortlessly yeah seamlessly and then you know of course then a video comes out and the, the parody of the video was you know absolutely hilarious too of eat it you mean of eat it yeah oh gosh yes i mean he he was spot on <clears throat> yeah as far as it was almost like move for move scene for scene it was a, an exact parodied replica of that song so one of the funny stories i remember from you know, a few several years ago now was when they did they parodied Nirvana's Smell Like Teen Spirit to Smells Like Nirvana mm-hmm. and um, he had the idea he did not think in a million years that Nirvana would go for it because you know they're this grunge alt band that take, took themselves very seriously and so forth they're artists and Kurt Cobain who was the late lead singer for Nirvana said he grew up listening to Weird Al, loved the idea, and like he said, he knew he was a major star when Weird Al asked him to cover their song. Yes, and he was being dead serious. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so there were uh, there were there were a lot of uh, stars that they they knew they had they had arrived when Weird Al did one of their songs. Oh yeah. In fact, um, like a surgeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Weird Al only did that song because Madonna had talked to a friend of hers and said, you know, when is Weird Al going to do one of my songs? <laughs> really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Nice. Which I, I believe we're, we're going to be talking about that song in a little bit. Oh, cool. So, nice. But, uh, so, that that's that's the beginning of Weird Al. Mm-hmm. Uh, as time went on, he went from, you know, being a, you know, a, a guy on the Dr. Demento show to doing his own you know his own stuff on his own, writing these amazing parodies with just so quick-witted, and a lot of the songs feature him on the accordion. Mm-hmm. And he is a very you know, it, as a musician, he is an outstanding accordion player. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. so putting that all together and making it somehow work was just genius. Yeah. So the next logical step for him was was to be an actor to get into <laughs> movies yeah and if you guys have ever seen 
UHF. Oh, love it. That movie is hilarious. Yeah. It, it's sort of like AL8, where you either love it or you hate it. Mm-hmm. Like, I would guess most women <laughs> would see UHF and roll their eyes and think, this is the stupidest thing ever. As, as, as my wife did the entire time that I made her watch it. Um, cause I was like, you gotta watch UHF. You gotta watch it. I've loved this movie since I was a kid and it, it didn't disappoint for me, but oh, for her, it was just a massive disappointment. Me neither. <laughs> uh, it, it, it was, uh, I, I remember just how outrageous it was. Like I remember Michael Richards being the janitor, Stanley Spadolsky. Yes. Thank you. I couldn't think of his name. He was a janitor at the radio, at the TV station and and Weird Al takes over as a program manager, and he's get all these. This is a low power station, like it's a UHF yeah. instead of VHF. So it, yeah. you know, the reception was kind of crappy, kind of like AM to FM. Exactly. Yeah. And so they 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 gave him the program manager position. So he puts all these outrageous, stupid songs on or or shows on. Has the most obscure sponsors, the best thing they could get, like Spatula City. Yes. Yeah. And and so. Michael Richards ends up doing a, a show, and he's got these kids doing stupid stuff. It's a like, kid show. Let's it's... drink from the fire hose. And <laughs> yes. he just blast a kid across they, the studio. They got, like, they got like a family looking for like a ring and a kiddie pool full of oatmeal. And, I mean, it was like, it's like, it's the original Double Dare. Yes. From Nickelodeon. Yes. You know. Um, but yeah, actually, uh, Stanley Spodolsky, he was a janitor for the competing VHF station. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he got fired. Uh, and so Al hired him just to be a janitor. You know, he's like, oh, can I bring my mop? You know, <laughs> so... Oh, it's he, all uh, coming back, yes. I should have watched it this week, but yeah. yeah. But, uh, but he... Uh, so Al, like, got some bad news, and he just decided to walk away. And he said, Stanley, you're in charge. And Stanley just, you know, went on his own, and Al ended up going to a bar... Uh, to drink his sorrows away, and everybody in a bar is glued to this show that's on TV, and he turns it up, and it's Stanley's show that all these people in a bar are just cracking up about, and that's how that started. But yeah, I've, yeah, that, that I was, it was funny when I was watching uh, Seinfeld for the first time years later, mm-hmm. and I'm going, Stanley Spadolsky, you know, because that's who I knew him from, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, well, it's funny when he showed up on there, I because re- before UHF. He was on a show called Fridays. Mm-hmm. You heard of Fridays? Yeah. So kind of like a Canadian Saturday Night Live. It was an American Saturday Night American, Live, but yeah. it was on Friday. SCTV. That's what I was. Yeah, exactly. Of. So it was on Friday nights on ABC. It was a little edgier than SNL, and quite frankly, I thought it was a lot funnier. But at, at that time, uh, but Michael Richards would be on there, and then he shows up on UHF. I'm going, what's that dude from Fridays? And so. Yeah, it's a matter of perspective because yeah. you see Seinfeld and go, "Oh, it's the guy from UHF." I see UHF and go, "What's oh, the guy from Fridays?" Because <laughs> right, I'm that right. old. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Fridays old. Yeah. Actually, so. uh, even before UHF, he was in uh, Transylvania Six Five Thousand. You know what? I never saw that movie, and I, I really I didn't actually, realize he was going to be in it. I actually saw that in the theaters when I was a kid, and uh, that was a really dumb movie. But um, but yeah, that's he was in that. So we are um, now going to go through our favorite, just because we're an 80s show. That's mm-hmm. what we do. We're going to go through um, our favorite 80s Weird Al songs. 
So we've got a total of eight songs here, and we're going to talk a little bit about the first three, and then we'll do the countdown format on you know the, the top five. Okay. So number eight was My Bologna. His you may remember it. Yeah. Dr. Demento song, yeah. Yes. Uh, he parodied My Sharona by <laughs> The Neck. It's a stretch. But <laughs> I love that song, and I am the only one that voted for this song. Oh, I know, I'm sad. But <laughs> wrong audience. Because <laughs> the number one song just like trumped everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the next song, uh, the number seven, I guess, song, would be One More Minute. Hmm. Yes. I don't know that one. I don't know it either, but it got a couple votes. More than my Bologna did. Is it a parody song? Because he does a lot of actual original songs, too. You know, it's funny because most of what he does is original. There's like two or three parodies on an album. The other seven are his original tunes. But the the parodies are what always get the airtime. But uh, actually, a lot of my favorite Weird Al songs are his originals Mm -hmm. that you don't ever hear on the radio. you got to buy the the album for it. Yeah. Um, Like my favorite original tune of his is Nature Trail to Hell in the 3D Hell, yeah. album. So. I like uh, Christmas at Ground Zero. Yes, that's a good one. And um, I Was Only Kidding. And uh, also Mr. Frump. I thought I cracked up, just died laughing listening to Mr. Frump. I like Mr. Popeil. Mr. Popeil? Yeah, that's another one. Have you have you heard Mr. Frump? No. Okay, so it's, it's about a kid who visits Mr. Frump who's in an iron lung. And so he sings, it's like this sunshiny, you know, visit Mr. Frump in the iron lung. I talk to him every day. And <laughs> when I go and visit Mr. Frump, this is what he has to say, you know. You know, and I just, I heard that the first time and I died laughing, you know, because I'm at that, I'm at that age where it's just, you know, farts are the most hilarious thing in the world. So this song. Aren't they just, still? Well, yeah, but. <laughs> but that, that, that type of humor just absent. That's, I think, what made me really fall in love with him. Nice. The next song is another one I haven't heard. It's called The Saga Begins. Yes. So tell me about this song. That is a Star Wars parody. Okay. It's to uh, American Pie. Okay. But it is actually the uh, a song about the prequels. Okay. Um, basically about how Anakin becomes a Jedi. Okay. So. Nice. It's, uh, it's actually really, really well done and... Uh, I've actually, I have a friend of mine that, um, he will karaoke that song. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He's, <laughs> That's uh. funny. Yeah. It's, it's actually one, it's a, it's a later hit. I don't know if it was from the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know that is, it is probably. Well, if it's talking about the prequels, it probably is later than the eighties. So yeah. once under the radar and another one that did too was, um, um, uh, not Gangster Paradise, but Amish Paradise. Amish Paradise. That was actually leading in votes. Well, we'll talk about all that later. Yeah. But yeah, so this one, because I never heard of it, I yeah. Just well, let like it go. the the chorus is uh, so bye bye this here Anakin guy, maybe mm-hmm. Vader someday later, but right now he's a small fry, you know. Nice. Yeah. That weird Al. He's so zany. <laughs> he's, well, he's actually incredibly brilliant. Oh um, yes, he is. I, I don't. He's. Well, he was he was uh, going to college to be an architect. To uh, yeah, Cal, uh, Cal Poly. Yeah, so got a master's degree in architecture. He, so he's no dummy. Yeah, and and you can tell by just the intelligence of his lyrics. Yeah, that you know he's just not yeah. mailing it in. He so. uh, he graduated top of his class at sixteen. Wow. 
Wow. Yeah. Nice. Weird Al. <laughs> All right. So that is the you know the under. Yes. Top five, and right now we're gonna start off with number five. Number five. The number five Weird Al song, as voted by you, the fans, is I Lost on Jeopardy by Weird Al Yankovic, of course. Mm-hmm. The parody of the song Jeopardy by the Greg Kinn Band. Which, that Greg Kinn is one of my favorite underappreciated artists of the 80s. So that song's a really good one, and this parody's wonderful. Yeah. So Everything about his parodies is they're, they're always so spot on. And they're so, you know, it's almost like this was the song that it was supposed to be. Because the <laughs> lyrics fit so perfectly. Yeah. Um, but one of the cool things about this song specifically is that, I don't know if you were aware, but Jeopardy was actually taken off the air for low ratings. Okay. And for, I think, like five years, it wasn't, they didn't have Jeopardy. And I remember that it being gone and coming back, but yeah. I, again, and, uh, it's just It's because memories. of Weird Out, because of that song. Uh, Merv Griffin uh, had a talk show. And he had Weird Al on there, and Weird Al performed the uh, I Lost on Jeopardy song. And uh, the fan reaction to that song was so big that Merv Griffin actually brought the Jeopardy show back. Nice. And it was all because of Weird Al's song. Huh. That is very interesting. Yeah. It's it's really weird when you kind of you look into the um, the kind of impact that Weird Al has had on music and the industry and, mm-hmm. you know, and everything. I mean, like... I don't think Weird Al would have been as successful as he is or as popular as he is if MTV hadn't come along at the same time. Right. Because I think I think MTV and Weird Al had a symbiotic relationship that launched him into the stratosphere. Mm-hmm. Because nobody would have taken his songs seriously if they just heard him on the radio. But to watch him parody oh, out yeah. those songs and to be the clown, then you know what you're expecting, and then you can appreciate the music more. You so... Know? Um, Shortly, and I, I found this video, which I, I had seen many years ago, but sort of forgot about. Um, and I'm glad you kind of brought it up that way. Uh, when Another One Rides the Bus came out, shortly after it debuted on Dr. Demento, probably a month or so later, he shows up on the, um, uh, I think it was called the, the Today Show, but it wasn't like the t- Today Show we know now. But Tom Snyder hosted it. might have been called the Late Night Show or whatever it was. But here's Weird Al coming out, singing this song. He had these bright plaid uh, pants on, this big Hawaiian shirt, which was kind of his trademark. Mm-hmm. And it's back when he had his humongous afro and his little squirrely mustache <laughs> and glasses, looking like he just got dropped off of the, of the sideshow of the circus bus. And he's got his accordion out there, and his buddy's sitting there playing, not the drums, but playing the accordion case with horns and whistles and things yeah, like that. Yeah, beating on the accordion case, yeah. but he didn't have a drummer. Yeah. And it's like, me hearing the song on Dr. Demento cracked me up. Me seeing him do it live, even funnier. Yeah. So, what you said about him coming along right around the time music videos were becoming... Music videos had existed for years, but not until MTV... And the whole 80s thing came on, it became the way to listen to music versus 
complementing what's on the radio. Mm-hmm. So it kind of the tail started wagging the dog at that point. But seeing Weird Al visually does, and his interpretation of these songs does make uh, it even better. It makes it even better. Yeah. So it, it makes it a whole package oh, that yeah. you can really appreciate. You know, because. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> Weird Al, I kind of liken to uh, the movie Napoleon Dynamite. Love the movie Napoleon Dynamite. Me too. One of my all-time favorites. If you ask anybody if they've seen Napoleon Dynamite, if they say, yes, I didn't like it, then I can guarantee you they only watched it once. Mm-hmm. If they say, yes, I loved it, they watched it more than once. Yeah. You know, because I had to go through the same thing. Me too. I saw it in the theaters, and um, it was because a friend of mine called up and said, we just watched a movie. It was absolutely hilarious. You got to come and see it. So they called like twenty of us. We took up a whole row in the movie theater. We're all sitting there. And we're like, "What is this movie?" It just came at the drop of a hat, mm-hmm. and we watched this movie. And I was like, "That was the dumbest movie I have ever seen." And I just wasted two hours of my life. And about we, six or seven bucks. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but we went out to uh, we went out to eat afterwards, and we started talking about it and started quoting it and everything. And then I saw it again. And once you get past the expectation of what you think this movie should be, and you realize it's just a dumb movie about nothing, mm-hmm. and then you appreciate the humor in it, and then it becomes just a much better movie. And I think the same thing was with Alan and music videos. You know. So at, again, we're going off on a rabbit trail, which I love to do on this show because <laughs> it makes it a little more interesting. I think. So we had me and Matt had done our episode few weeks ago on movies that you know came that were based on the 80s but didn't really take place in Napoleon Dynamite was one of those yes and I had even said back then because I remember my daughter Kayla was in high school and it was after it was already released to video and it was like the thing for her and all of her friends and everybody else to watch Mm -hmm. and she's like daddy can you you know, get this movie. Well, I'm like, well, sure. You know, she, she's my daughter, and she asked me for things, and I love her, and I give her whatever she. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Typical day. Yeah, I, I, I wish I'd give her everything in the world, but um, we had. Uh, I, I got it, so we sat down as a family and watched it. And her mother was just, she fell asleep. I watched the whole thing, and I must have said more than ten times, like. This is the stupidest movie I've seen in my life. <laughs> like, why did I just waste 15 bucks or whatever it was on this movie? Mm-hmm. And then Kayla didn't even really seem to like it that much either. It's more like the, this is what everybody's <clears throat> watching. I need yeah. to watch it too. So I, I don't remember at what point I watched it for the second time. It was a little funnier. Mm-hmm. And then the third, and then the <clears throat> fourth, and then probably the... 50th time. I don't know how many times I watched that stupid movie (laughs) and I laugh at the same parts every time. Yeah. And I always find something new, no matter how many times I've watched it, there's something new that I maybe have missed in every other viewing that just cracks me up. Mm -hmm. So, Weird Al, kind of the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And a little side note on that I have a buddy of mine. Uh, Shout out to my buddy Ryan. Um, He actually met. Uh, Ephraim Ramirez, who played Pedro, oh, yeah. at a Comic Con, cool, and actually became really, really good friends with him to the point where um, Ephraim was in town at a Comic Con and called Ryan and said, "Hey, why don't you come over to the hotel and hang out?" 
And so Ryan... So he partied with Pedro. So he goes over there <laughs> and opens the door to the hotel, and it's Pedro and Uncle Rico and John Heater are all in there. Oh, my he, god! I would have had to done a selfie with those guys. <laughs> I would have just fell over at the door, you know? I mean, but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, he he hung Gosh, out. Gosh, idiot, get in here! <laughs> yeah. They're gonna see us. Close the door. Gosh, and uh, but they uh, yeah they hung out all night and uh, John Heater taught him how to play poker. No way. He sat there and played poker all night and everything. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, that uh, is an awesome story. Yeah. I'm glad we I'm glad we went through that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was good. So right. yeah, the uh, back the, to other weird things. Yeah, to other weird things. Uh, so the number five song, uh, Weird Al song for us is I Lost on Jeopardy. Number four. The number four song, as voted by you, the fans, uh, as far as Weird Al's music goes, is Like a Surgeon, which is a parody of Madonna's Like a Virgin. Like a Virgin. So I remember this song came out, uh, cracked me up, because the I was never a big Madonna fan. I appreciate her as an artist and all that other stuff. And she has some songs I like. Like a Virgin is not one of them. I like Like a Surgeon a lot better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, you know, this was another, you know, situation I had mentioned that Madonna, you know, um, this whole reason why this came about was because Madonna wanted him to parry a song for her. Not that she talked to him directly, but the word got back to him that she was kind of felt left out that... Well, she wanted to be a star. Yeah. Yeah. Weird Al was a star maker. Right. He was. He was. He was. Um, but, um, yeah, I, like a surgeon, again, you know, just... The whole concept of it, the goofiness of it, you know, was, um, it's just perfect, you know, and for that, for my age range and for what I liked, and I just thought it was absolutely hilarious, you know, because it was just so, I think one of the things that I really liked about Weird Al was growing up, I wasn't the popular kid, you know, and so I was kind of, kind of a bit of a misfit or a bit of an outsider, and Mm -hmm. so I not only resonated with Weird Al in that way because of the goofiness of his music, but it also kind of let me, like, thumb my nose at the cool kids, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like, oh, you like all these songs because, you know, you think these you're cool because of this music and you like, well, you know, here's here's your music, but it's just, it's stupid now, you know. And that's and I thought, you know, that was kind of a little, you know, a bit of a rebellion, I guess, on my part, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, I got to, I got to do that. But Like a Surgeon was one of those, you know, because... I didn't like the Like a Virgin song, like you said. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was okay, but it was a little over my head at that age. Mm-hmm. But I, I like the idea of some doctor singing about, you know, operating on a patient with a chainsaw. You know, it's just... Because <laughs> only Weird Al could think of that. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, I like the way Madonna looked, mostly. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, her music. Wouldn't feel on it. But, again, some songs good. That song, Weird Al, nailed it. Yep. So that's the number three song, Like a Surgeon. Number three.
the number three song this week in 19... Not not this week. (laughs) In our (laughs) countdown uh, is Yoda from Weird Al, which is sung to the tune of Lola, the song about a transvestite from the Kinks. Nice. So I remember Yoda as a song. I didn't go back and listen to these songs ahead of time because they're so much committed to memory, except this one. I remember... You know, the tune of the chorus and him singing Yoda instead of Lola. But that's about all I remember about this song. Of course, we know Yoda is the lovable little green Jedi from the Star Wars movies. But uh, tell us about this song. Uh, So basically it is uh, Weird Al's second um, Star Wars parody. Uh, uh, As we talked in the top eight, um, the, the saga begins... Mm-hmm. Was another Star Wars parody that he did, um, but it's it's basically it was after Empire Strikes Back and Yoda exploded as in popularity and you know he and his genius just put the two together with Lola and Yoda and you know I think I think maybe he just sits around and listens to the radio and as songs come on his brain just goes there yeah you know and he just he puts it together which is to me most of the songs that he does are current songs or songs that are, have just been current recently this goes back to the 60s mm-hmm. well just like the American Pie parody did yeah um, but most of those are, are very current so him coming out with this song and just putting Lola with Yoda which yeah. we hear now after the fact going oh that makes sense but to sit around with his brain and just think oh, yes oh, that's gonna be Yoda I want to write yeah. the song yeah and you know just the influence that Weird Al has had on me you know I have actually come up with parody songs you know when i was a kid you know because i would hear a song and i would start playing with the lyrics and messing with the lyrics and then just recently a song popped into my head i can't remember what the song was or whatever but um it fit as a covid19 song and that covid19 was going to be the chorus and oh. so yeah i mean he's he weird al is, has literally rewired my brain <laughs> and, uh, and which i'm sure he's proud of yes yes yeah. and uh but uh, yeah, I mean, the Yoda was a great song, great song. I think it was one of the, because I was a little older when it came out, and I think it, I, I, I appreciated it for, um, the style of it, how how well he came up with the lyrics and how everything fit, and he didn't just change words to make words that rhymed. I mean, he actually told a story mm-hmm. through the song and made it cohesive and coherent. You know, and at the same time, still fit seamlessly with the original song. Yeah, he would keep the original tune, write a song, and just magically, yeah, he made it all work like the song was written by him. Mm-hmm. If you never heard the original, you'd just think it was a Weird Al original. Yeah. Just because it, it didn't make sense. Anybody could sit there and, and just make up words that rhyme. I do that all day long. <laughs> I do. Like, I will sing to the dog and to the cat. And my wife just rolls her eyes, and she's like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, because like the the words don't make sense together, but they rhyme somehow. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just, yeah, well, my actually, brain doesn't uh, work right. Well, I think we'll talk about it later. But like one of my favorite Al- Weird Al songs is from not in the '80s, but from later years. But we can get to that later. Okay, so. we shall. All right. So that was uh, the number three song was Yoda. Number two. Another one rides the bus. Another one rides the bus. And 
song too, and another comes along, another one rides the bus. Hey, he's gonna sit by you, another one rides the bus. That brings us to number two, two, two. Uh, it will be another one rides the bus. The Very parody nice. of the Queen song, Another One Bites the Dust. Now, we talked earlier about my history with this song, and this is a song that introduced me to Weird Al. I hear this song today. I, I, honestly, it takes me back to being 14 years old and hearing it for the first time. Mm-hmm. It's such a cool song. Yep. And uh, ironically, uh, this being number two on the list, it was actually Weird Al's second uh, hit, uh, My Bologna being his first. The underappreciated um, yes, My Bologna. Un- underappreciated apparently. My Bologna. Uh, but this was this was his second hit due to the Dr. Demento show. And I think the one that actually catapulted him to where he could make his own album. Yes. And gave him that ability. It, he, it, it, he went from being like a niche player on that show to mainstream media catching on. Yeah. So, which is which is really cool because, uh, again, uh, we'll we'll talk more about him as a person here in a few minutes. But, um, yeah, this song is to me the number one song. Mm-hmm. Just my own bias, whatever. <laughs> that, that's me. But uh, well, you always remember your first. Yes, you do. <laughs> in my case, it was another one rides the bus. Number one. Surprise, surprise. Hmm. The number one song is Eat It, as parodied by Michael Jackson's Beat It. What? I know. Really? Shock surprise. I, I so totally thought it would have been, uh, you know, Polka All Night would have been the number one song, well, uh, honestly. I'm sure that people just really didn't know that song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so unless yeah. you're a hardcore Weird Al fan, unless you're listening you actually, to the albums. Unless you actually bought the cassettes or the CDs, nobody yes. would ever. Which, you know, for his polka music, I mean, you, you talked about him being a gifted accordion player. Yeah. Um, he was my real first introduction to polka music. And I thought it was really fun because what he did was he did mashups of a whole bunch of different current popular top 40 songs. Mm-hmm. But he did them to a polka beat. I've, I've heard that. Yeah. Yes. And I thought, I mean... You know, uh, Eat It obviously is a classic. It's the one that put him on the map. It Mm -hmm. was his first music video. It was the first everything that just really made Weird Al Yankovic who we know him to be today. Um, But I'm actually more of a fan of his non-parody songs, Mm -hmm. his original songs, you know, are the songs that I actually really enjoy a lot of times just because you get the creativity of the parody, but you also get um, just an original idea, Mm -hmm. you know, and they were always crazy and ludicrous you know, ludic- absolutely yes. insane you know but uh well just still. i i don't know if i mentioned now or if it was when we were talking before the show but nature trail to hell is my favorite original weird mm-hmm. owl tune that's just you know it's a parody of horror movies yeah and you know it's just those things you know yeah i enjoy 
My, uh, you know, I, I had mentioned also when we were talking about it that mine was uh, Christmas at Ground Zero, mm-hmm. uh, which I personally like because I hate Christmas. So the idea of nuclear... You, wait, you hate Yeah, I can't Christmas? stand I can't stand Christmas. Well, why do you hate Christmas? I, I don't know. I feel like we're in therapy right now. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your mother. Um, no, I, uh, I, I don't... I, I, I don't like Christmas. I, I can't... Yeah, because I think we talked one time. You do a... A big Halloween. Yeah, Halloween is my Christmas. I absolutely love Halloween. I will go all out for Halloween. Which is uh, which is speaks volumes about you. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. So Christmas at Ground Zero. Yeah, Christmas at Ground Zero. <laughs> so nuclear holocaust on Christmas Day. I think that's. But I like the lyrics of it. I, I like the way he told the story and the funny things that he said. Um, attack of the hamsters from a radioactive hamsters from a planet near Mars. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, fun song. Um, I was only kidding. Is a uh, is another song that he did where he basically broke up with a girl and was basically telling her all those times that I said that I loved you and I said that I'd be true and I swore I'd never love anyone but you. I was only kidding. And, Which should be a great breakup song. Oh, for it's the, fantastic for the, for the girl that really does you wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, um, but yeah, I mean, eat it, eat it is absolutely is is always going to be his number one. It's always going to be so. his, the gem in his, the feather in his cap, the gem in his. I I would maybe crown. argue that a little bit because now, now that we're through the show, mm-hmm. we can talk about the songs that you know, Rob, the '80s music guy, the snob, hmm. decided to nix in the bud, nip it in the bud. Um, I loved Amish Paradise. That is either yes. that that one or White and Nerdy. With Donny Osmond going crazy in the video, yep. those two are. Another one rides a bus is always going to be my favorite. Yeah, but those two, I like a lot. I, I really liked Amish Paradise. Um, I liked um, something rotten, mm-hmm. which is a parody of uh, Fifty Cent's "Hot in Here." Mm-hmm. You know, me nineties oh, yeah. hip hop and R and B. That was a, that was a classic. Um, yeah, Amish Paradise. Um, uh, what was the parody he did for Happy, the Pharrell Williams song? Oh, it was. Um... It's radio silence, is what it is. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's uh, it's the sound of a brain fart, is what that is. Um... Well, you know what? If we only had a magical computer, we could <laughs> yes. look things up. If only we had a connected, interconnected computation. Tacky. Device. It's called Tacky. Tacky, yes. Yes. Tacky was a good one. It's got the, a ton of celebrities in the it. The video was hilarious. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, I also liked um, Word Crimes. Oh, yeah. That was, yeah, that was a good one. Based on Blurred Lines. Yeah. And, um, Based on Give It Up by Marvin Gaye. Nice. Which okay. which Robin Thicke got sued hugely for <laughs> by, by Marvin Gaye's family. Nice. And one of the biggest rip-offs since Ice Ice Baby. But Oh, yeah. That was... <laughs> I digress. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I loved Word Crimes because, again, uh, lyrically and the way he laid the song out is just genius, is absolute genius. And um, I've always been accused of being a grammar Nazi, so I really related to the song. Um, but probably my all-time favorite Weird Al Yankovic song is from his Poodle Hat album, mm-hmm. and it's called Hardware Store. Okay. And it's kind of like Spatula City from mm-hmm. the UHF movie. Oh, yeah. Um, it's basically, he's just really excited because there, a hardware store is going to be opening up. <laughs> and he's talking about everything that's in it. And there is a rap-ish section in the middle that you, you cannot humanly do in one breath. And he's just, 
they've got and he's like rattling off all this stuff super fast and you can hear it and it's all stuff you would hear in a in a finding a hardware store and it's just it is a most genius catchy fun song that i think he's ever done and it never gets any airtime and never gets any play nobody knows of it unless you it's not a parody unless you've bought the album yeah yep nice so um i wanted to close our thoughts on weird al um, I never met the guy, no. um, but he seems like a nice guy that you would want to hang out with because he, he seems real genuine. I, I like the fact that he didn't have to ever be raunchy in any of his music. Hmm. It's all very, very tastefully done, safe for the kids, but yeah. laughable for parents. Um, so I you know appreciate that, the fact that all these artists feel privileged to have Weird Al do their a cover of their song is really good and just hopefully he's not done hopefully no. he's going to continue doing these from time to time and and uh you know yeah live, absolutely live on so that's yep. good and you know for an artist who has been in the in the uh in the industry for 30 F- 40, 40 years 40 years 40 years has actually probably outlived most of the artists that he's parodied, yeah, these made bands his have died and broke up and everything gone, else, you know, and so. and he's he, you know, he doesn't do drugs, he doesn't drink, he doesn't swear in his songs, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't. There's no like nudity or anything um, risque, no scandals, no, yeah, no scandals. You don't hear no, of anything weird. Yeah, out you know, as far as weird. like Hollywood or the industry is concerned, he wouldn't even be a blip because he's so boring. Yeah, you know, but there's there's no controversy with him. I don't even think he's married. I I thought I heard somewhere that he was married. Hmm. If only we had a weird a weird <laughs> way to look up weird futuristic Al. computation device. Yes, that so. allowed us to connect to an interwebs. Yes. <laughs> so all right, so weird Al. I don't want to look up happy. Yeah, stick with us, guys, because we really want to find this out about Weird Al. <laughs> is he or is he not married? So, Question of the day. According to Wikipedia, uh, let's see. He married Suzanne Krajewski, a marketing director with 20th Century Fox, and met in 2001. And he's got a daughter named Nina, who was born in 2003. Nice. Congratulations. So, there you go. Weird Al is married, has been for... Oh, coming up on 20 years. Mazel so, tov. Congratulations, Weird Al. Congratulations, so, yes. Oh, um, the uh, accordion tidbit. Yeah. Okay, he actually started learning the accordion because a door-to-door salesman was selling, when he was seven years old, that he was selling either accordion or guitar lessons. Mm-hmm. And so he went with the accordion because there is another accordion. He's, named, he's Mr. Polka. And he's an, a world-renowned polka and accordion player, and his last name is Yankovic. Frank. Frank Yankovic. Yes. Yep. And uh, that for, I knew for the longest time, uh, people actually thought that Frank was his father. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I watched an interview with Weird Al once, and he said, "You know, you know, media would be asking me about your father, Frank, your father, Frank." And he's like, "Frank isn't my father. He's just another Yankovic. There's no relation." And so they, and he was, I'd have to convince it and say it over and over again. And then, I'll bet they're, they're all related somehow. They'd have they'd to be have like with the 15th name like cousins, that. something. Something. Yeah. There, is, there is a connection, but there's yeah. no known connection that right. he's aware of. But the media thought it was his father. And then, like, they would report, 
And they would say, and apparently the relationship with his father is strained because he won't even acknowledge him <laughs> as his father. And uh, so, but uh, but yeah, that's that's how he got into the accordion. Nice. At the age of seven. That is very interesting. All right. Well, Jason, uh, before we get out of here, um, I wanted first of all, I want to thank you for being here. But um, we've talked several, you know, a couple different times, and he's given me a little bit more information earlier. You're going to be launching your own podcast soon, so talk about that. Okay. Uh, just kind of tell listeners what to expect, because you know he's my friend, and I'm going to promote this on the '80s page, whether y'all like it or not. And um, so, Thank you. Just, yeah, talk talk to us a little bit. All right. So I've uh, I've been encouraged by uh, Rob and some other friends of mine, specifically a friend of mine who owns a podcasting company in Kentucky, uh, that I need to do a podcast, and so. I, um, it's been bouncing around in my brain for many years and I finally, originally I was going to do movies. I was going to talk all about movies because I am a big, huge movie buff, you know, huge movie fan. Action movies, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm the one you should talk to. And, so if we do another action thing. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. We'll, uh, we'll let Randy listen. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and um, but, uh, but yeah, so I was going to do movies, but I, I realized like right now the, uh, movie industry is pretty much in a toilet and there's nothing to talk well, about that, and there are hundreds of movie podcasts out there yeah i i listen to one of them called know your cinema i know the guys that do that i work with them um i like it it's very good um i listen to it because i know them and hearing their interest interesting takes is really good to me but if you're looking up movie podcasts thousands yeah 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 so that was that was another deterrent but um so i got to thinking about it and years Years ago, I've got a group of friends that I've known since we've hung tight ever since we were 16. The best friends in the world. Our wives call us the Golden Girls. And uh, um, we would we would go out. And you don't feel would... emasculated by that at all? No, no, because okay. I love the Golden Girls. So which so. one are you? Me? I'm Rose. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, actually, I think I'd be more like Estelle Getty now. But, you know, back in high school, I was Rose. Um, but the... Uh, um, but we would go out and we'd get something to eat and we would sit for hours and just talk and talk. And, and that's all we would do. We just talk about life. We would talk about current events, politics, anything that's going on. So I said, well, there it is. There's my format. So I got these, I got three of these knuckleheads to join me and uh, we're going to sit down and we're going to have a podcast called Chewing the Fat. And that's all we're going to do. We're going to talk about history. We're going to talk about politics. We're going to talk about current events, pop culture, music. And movies, a lot about TV. sports. Oh, sports. All, yeah, all day, every day. That's going to be... ESPN is going to start listening to this podcast yeah. to learn how to report. Yeah, I'm going to be the new Ocho, uh, really, is what this uh, <laughs> podcast is going to be about. And uh, But no, that's uh, that's there, we will talk about sports because those guys all love talking about sports. And I just, you know, I, I listen. Just nod. Yeah, just nod and agree it. and, you know, say, oh, I've heard of that, you know, but... Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's uh, that's basically what the podcast is. And I got the idea from um, long ago, back before TV and radio and cell phones. Um, You're not that old. Yeah, no, I'm not this old. <laughs> but they uh, guys would go out on a porch and they'd sit in the rocking chair and they would actually chew, slowly chew or suck on a piece of fat back. Um, and they just talked. And that's all they did. Just passed the evening as the sun went down. And so they that's talk. where the term chewing that's the where fat the came from. Term chewing the fat came from. So it's just us sitting around talking. And uh, it's a little more formatted than that. And it's a lot more fun. And these guys are, they're fun and their perspective is hilarious. And Good. I'll be I'm, sure I'm to listen. I'm excited about it. 
So Great. I should I've already got a Facebook page up, but uh, it's not complete. Not for public consumption. Just yes, yet. yes, not not really. You can find it, uh, but it's <laughs> you know no invites. Have been, Rob is actually the first person that I invited to the page. I accepted. Yes, yes. yes. So. I'm halfway there. There you go. It <laughs> starts with one. That's right. I, on, on the Living in the 80s Facebook page, I started it uh, either end of December or early January this year and didn't launch it until like February 10th. And uh, over the course of the last several months, we're up over 1,500 nice. now. Nice. So... Maybe not that high. I don't know. We're over a thousand. Over a thousand, yeah. And uh, so it's very encouraging to me. Um, so it's it's just you know people find out what you're doing, and what you're about, and and they, yep. they gravitate towards it. Hopefully, yeah. And uh, you get an audience, and and, and I mean great. that's that's a mark of you doing a great job and doing a cool thing that yeah. people enjoy. There you go. And that's what it's all about. Cool. All right. So. I think I think we have worn the listeners out. Yes. They've got more than they bargained for. Definitely got their money's worth. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, Jason, thank you for coming and joining. I, I couldn't think of anybody that could help me out with Weird Al like you have. So, thank you so oh. much. And the rest of you guys have a great week. Uh, before we leave, um, I, I'm kind of excited about next week's podcast. So, there is a Facebook page... Like, you know, we have our Facebook page of Living in the 80s. There's another Facebook page called Living in the 80s, and they're based out of Australia. So um, we are going to do, like, I'm having the administrator for that page um, join us. So uh, I'm very excited uh, to have that. So um, joining me next week will be Marty Wiseman. And we have chatted, and... I'm looking very forward to looking at the 80s through the lens of someone who grew up in Australia. On the other side of the world. On the other side of the world. So I'm very happy, uh, very excited about that. So you guys, thank you. Take care. God bless you. And we'll see you next week. Thank you, Rob, for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. But I'll be back on Monday afternoon. You'll see another truckload's coming in for me. All for me. Well, I've had more fun than one person could possibly have for the last couple hours. I I suppose I should give you back control of your TV sets. It pains me to go, for I know that now you're going back to your boring, drab, wretched lives. You won't have Al to kick around anymore. You'll just have to make do, I'm afraid. Go, go on with your lives. Be free. Do what you must. But remember, every time you turn around, I'll be there. This is Al for Al Music. Goodbye.